And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! <laughs> yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? Good morning, my chestnuts. Welcome to the Very Serious Writing Show. I am your host, Daniel Thompson. Welcome back to all of the OENers coming back from the summer workshop. Welcome back, guys. I know y'all are dealing with all your post-workshop feels, and I feel for you. Pun totally unintended. But yes, welcome back. I hope you're not all weeping. Don't start weeping. Guys, no, it's okay. You can stop crying now. It's it's okay. Ah. Oh. I can't believe I missed this one. I feel really bad. I kind of wish I was there with y'all. I had been there. But then I'd be dealing with feels, and I can't do that. I've got a podcast to run. Today, we are talking about the musical sensation, Hamilton. And I have possibly the classiest fan I could possibly get on the show to talk about it, my good friend, Lindsay. Also a Noeanner. So, you know, that's pretty cool. I know Lindsay from way back. We used to have great debates about whether or not Doctor Who was of the devil. I have since decided that Doctor Who is probably not of the devil. Probably jury's still kind of out. There's still one member of the jury who's not quite so certain. Anyway, moving on. Welcome. Writing show. Hamilton. You know, good stuff. I kind of outro this every time. What's up with that? Why is my intro always like this? Why? I don't know. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope, couldn't keep a straight face. I am no man. Hey, Lindsay, how's it going? Good, how are you? I am doing very well. It is a good day in the universe. What's crack-a-lackin'? Um, well, I am here in Connecticut. It's a very hot day, mm -hmm. so I'm inside. Well, hey, that's that's good. I've been inside all day editing wedding things and okay. and watching all those clips you sent me from Hamilton things. Yes. Yes. Those are some good clips. Those were good stuff. I, yeah. I like I like the interview footage with uh How do you pronounce the dude's name? Cuz I Which which one? Uh, Lynn Manuel, is that did I get it right? Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yes. Yeah, yes. he's he's a really interesting sort of fellow. And I liked Yeah, he's I liked his interview. Very intelligent. Yeah, he seemed really on the ball during his interviews. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. When is it that you, you first listened to Hamilton? When did you, when'd you jump on the fandom boat here? Um, I listened to Hamilton in February. It was early February, and I had okay. actually heard about it 
before the holidays because I know it had gotten really popular when it moved to Broadway in the summertime. And then in the fall I had heard about it, but I didn't really know what it was. Then I heard a lot about it over Christmas time and you know, it was really busy and I think that's the thing that most people, they avoid listening to it because it's so long and it's only auditory, it's not visual. Yeah. So it takes them a while to actually sit down and listen to it. So I listened to it in February um, and that was when I first got involved with it. Okay, I didn't listen to it until this summer. I, I'd heard my my friends have been talking about it. Some people who I was like, "Wow, this is really curious that this human being is actually mentioning a Broadway play." So I kind of, right. I kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's like like this one person that hung out with our group. She normally worked in the cafeteria at my college campus, and uh-huh. she's just kind of the, the person who would not sit down and listen to a Broadway play and obsess about it and make references. And I was like, "There's something here." I have to understand. So, and I think, I think it's important to know before we start that like, I'm not necessarily a hip hop fan. I do not listen to the genre outside of Hamilton. Yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm a moderate hip hop fan in that, um, I enjoy the musical stylings of it. I'm not, I'm not super literate in major hip hop artists. Um, but I will enjoy some songs when I hear it or even, a majority of songs it just depends on what they are and what they're about and who's doing them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, I just I just haven't had a background. I mean, it's not been in my family culture. It really hasn't been mm-hmm. in my friend culture at all. So mm-hmm. this was my introduction to hip hop. That's weird. Besides, like people driving by and playing it really loud out of their cars. <laughs> oh, this is like your very first introduction to it. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good introduction. That said, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'm. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. That I liked it as much as I did. So, for for the people following along at home, give give me like the two sentence premise of Hamilton. Okay. Um, well, Hamilton is a Broadway musical about the life of founding father Alexander Hamilton, and it combines the genres of hip hop and rap and musical theater. So what you're hearing is a combination of songs that have more uh, hip-hop and pop elements and songs that have traditional musical theater elements. And then it takes you through his life from when he was very young to his death and um, his legacy. And it is extremely popular. It's like the hottest show on Broadway right now. And it just won. How many Tonys did it win? It was up for 16. I think it won 11. That's crazy. That's madness. Right. It, but when I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, every single award they were nominated for was so well-deserved. And every person who won, it was so well-deserved. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's so unique about the show is that every aspect of it is very intentional and very well thought out and took so much time to create that when you're seeing it have this success, it's so, it's like heartwarming because you know how much went into it. Yeah. And, um... So I think that's great. You've gotten to see it live, right? No, no. I wish I'd gotten oh. to see it live. I'm trying. Okay. I uh, I went to reserve tickets on Sunday night because they just reserved or they just released a block of tickets for like February through May of next year. But the site glitched and we were very close to getting them and then I lost them and it was sad. I'm but so I have sorry. been to the Ham for Ham show. Okay. Now explain to me the Ham for Ham show. I need help here. Okay, so 
So the Ham for Ham show started last summer when people would line up to enter the lottery. And so large um, shows have a lottery where if you can't get tickets, usually you could line up or enter digitally. Um, in this case, they'd started it with only in-person lining up to, to get your ticket. And if you enter the way they do it at Hamilton is that they have, I believe it's 21 winners. And if you win, you only pay $10 for your ticket. Uh, hence ham for ham it's ten dollars uh, alexander hamilton mm. for hamilton gotcha and um and then so you also get to sit like in the front row if you win so it's it's something that became popular over the summer when they were first opening and it was really hot and people you know they get miserable in the heat so lynn and the cast decided to go out and give them a short little performance to lift their spirits and it became very popular so that it became an attraction in its own right that's cool yeah so um they do it they did it off and on i think there was no superset schedule for a while and then uh in the winter time when it got really cold they moved to digital lotteries hmm. and now they do digital lotteries all the time with the exception of Wednesday matinees so Wednesday matinees are ham the ham for ham show okay yeah yeah so that's, that's really cool too. okay I just, it just shocks me looking at this show like I don't know if it's just the combination of elements that's made this so popular is it what, what do you think has, has brought on this popularity is it just the combination or is it just that there's something there for everyone what do you think um, what's bringing the people well, yeah, it's. I think the number one thing about the show is that it, it feels very genuine and feels very relatable. Um, because the premise is so unique, I think there's also an element of, wait, what is this? I, I don't understand what this is. I want to find out. There's sort of like a mysteriousness. And then now that there's all this hype about it, people are wanting to see it because it's so popular. But what I think makes the show so easy to enjoy is that it's telling a story that you can relate to at a human level. So even if you're not American, even if you don't like rap, if you don't like musical theater, you can probably relate to one or more of the themes that are in the show. So I think that it's always, it's thought provoking. And I think that's something that people like is to go and, and be touched, um, have their hearts touched by the story. And um, also to, just be moved and uh, and inspired by it. And um, the other thing is like, it's very diverse. And this is something that the creators have talked about. Yeah. Uh, they're using a cast of uh, primarily people of color mm -hmm. and it's doing well. And it doesn't look like the founding fathers, but they, as they say, it's the story of America then told by America now. And I think that's something that people really want is to see people who look like them telling stories that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's so wonderful about it is because um, especially in, in TV and film, there is some diversity, but there's really not as much as there should be. Especially, this in, is something especially in period pieces. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and after, like at first, if you're watching the videos or you're listening to it, you're thinking, oh, wow, this guy is not how I thought Lafayette would sound. <laughs> <laughs> then, Why does Thomas but, Jefferson have an afro? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, and then, you know, it, but then you forget about it. It doesn't matter um, 
to you by the end um, or in in another way it actually really does matter because it's a it adds a particular poignancy to the to the narrative and um, it makes it really accessible and relatable to an audience I don't think you would have if it was just a bunch of white people telling the story that could be that said it seems to be doing just as well among white people as anyone else so I agree so yeah like it it, it kind of breaks down the barriers without um, without putting anything negative in to replace the barriers, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times when you talk about diversity, it's it becomes a controversy. Whereas this, it's only positive things that you feel. It doesn't matter um, whether you're a white person or black person, any any person can look at it and enjoy it and, and feel like um, what's being done here is respectful and honest. It does feel very respectful to, to the historical values there. Another thing that I find, uh, that gets me when it, when it comes to anything historical a lot of it takes itself so super seriously and this this play is so full of snark i think that's what sold me actually <laughs> yeah if it was if it was serious throughout the whole thing i probably wouldn't have been sold on it but it has a snark that like 1776 had mm -hmm. you know it feels right. like a 1776 of this generation but better too mm -hmm. i i think the snark is there they weave in like the old time speaking with the with the newer uh vernacular and i think right i think that works so well um for them and yeah i just smile listening to it because i'm like oh my gosh that was snarky yeah like um or even not even not even the snarky parts but you know how you're mentioning the weaving older uh turns of phrase with uh newer ones like i love um one last time where they have portions of george washington's uh farewell address mixed mm -hmm. in there um i think that's so beautifully done and um but yeah it's it's uh it feels historical but it feels current too yeah and that's something that i love i would have never expected like the the rap hip-hop style to to mesh so well but it makes sense because there's so much room for vocabulary in rap and hip-hop there's so many mm -hmm. places you can go and the old time vernacular works really well with that i mean it right it makes a lot of sense once you step back and look at it without and looking at the aesthetic yeah, exactly. And like, it, as they were, um, they've talked about this in interviews, it allows you to fit more into the musical because you're speaking so quickly. Um, I think they mapped it out that if you did each song at the length of a typical musical theater uh, song, and then you mapped it all out, it would be like seven or eight hours long, whereas this is, you know, two and a half hours long or something. I believe it. There's like 40 something songs, too. It is... A long it's a hefty, <laughs> hefty chunk of work there. <laughs> and most of them are really, really good. So, I mean, there's yeah. no complaints they're on that. <laughs> they're, they're all good. Some of them I like better than others. And I'm not going to lie, once once I hit uh, King George, I just I just was laughing my head off. Because that was oh, yeah. that's the type of dark, hilarious humor that just, it just works for me so well. <laughs> I'm like, this is beautiful and perfect. Yeah, and what I love is that... Um, the villains of the piece are really not people, even though, you know, you have the American Revolution, you have King George. Um, the villainy in the piece is more like, um, you know, overcoming adversity and who you're going to be and whether you're going to survive. And yeah. um, so George is there almost as a comical figure, even though he's in, in all the other historical things we've seen, he represents this, you know, great force of the British monarchy. It sort of trivializes him and... and you know, shows you that there were other things to, that you had to fight against, not just King George's villainy. 
I think it was so important to do that. I, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Because, like, the villain of the story is also Hamilton. You know, mm -hmm. he, he, he's definitely his own villain throughout that. Great character work. I mean, yeah. with like everyone. Like Nance Hubris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just splendid character work through the whole thing. Um, his relationship with, with Eliza or Angelica. Mm -hmm. I'm not... Here's the, here's the problem. I've only been through it a couple times. I keep mixing okay. up the sisters, so I'm going to probably say right. something incorrect. Okay, Eliza's his wife. Okay. Angelica's the sister-in-law. Okay, yeah. And so is Peggy. Peggy's a sister-in-law. The relationship between all of those characters is fascinating. And yes. the songs get really deep really fast. And I'm just like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> we went there. So, I mean, that was... What did you think of that? Um, the relationships between those characters, the f familial relationships. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think that was that's the thing that hit me the hardest was obviously it's the family element as much as it hits you with the uh, the revolution and, and the other soldiers and other figures that we know from history. It was the fact that, um, like for instance, Eliza's story. If you look at all of the different songs, it could almost be about her life just as much as it's about his life. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think I, I think that in order for it to succeed at the level it has, it's the family story that sells it as opposed to just the revolution. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Into the Woods, but like the first act is really happy and fun and stuff. And then in the second act, everything goes wrong and all the characters learn their lesson. I've only seen like the movie, so I don't, I don't have the act structure placed out, but yeah. Yeah, well, it's like it's kind of like that, you know. Like the first act, you close up on the Battle of Yorktown. If you if you stopped it there, it would still be a great musical. But you know, going on forward, I think it's the the story of how the family works with the uh, the happenings of the times that that really um, makes it what it is. It's so personal. Yeah, you know? the revolution sells it, but I think it's the I think it's the family stuff that is your money's worth. You know, for right. for this type right. of story, it's it's the payoff you weren't expecting, mm -hmm. and it's just it's so cool, and it's his, the historical accuracy, all the elements that have been brought in there. It's based off yeah, who wrote the biography that that really popular biography, uh, right? Ron Chernow. Yeah, it's based off of that. I think isn't that's it? how you say his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's based off that, but um, you know, they had him come in and work as a historical consultant on the musical did they really so he was there through the process huh. and i know that if there were there are some changes made um that are not historically accurate but the, mm -hmm. for the most part it's very historically accurate and true to what the sentiments were and what the characters were really doing and feeling um and uh so I think that's one thing that is really great because we do see these historical shows that get really, really popular, but they're like wildly historically inaccurate. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I know what my point was with that. It's great that it is historically <laughs> accurate for the most part. <laughs> yeah, no, I I dig it for, for that point. It's, it's just yeah. cool seeing people care about this all of a sudden. We interrupt this program for the following warning. Due to the increased popularity of the Hamilton musical, there has been a significant increase in Hamilton references infused in modern speech habits. The perpetrators are self-described as young, scrappy, and hungry, and have indicated that they will, quote, never be satisfied. Victims are helpless, and many are lucky to be alive right now. 
The Department of Repetition's Lyrical Repetition Department issues the following statement to the nonstop perpetrators. No matter who lives, who dies, who tells your story, I will kill all your friends and family to remind you of my love, and no one else will be in the room where it happens, son. You should know we are all immigrants and will get the job done until it is quiet uptown and you won't have to wait for it much longer. We will write our own deliverance, rise up, and trust me, we will not throw away our shot. And now, back to our program. I'm trying to, th- I just, anytime something becomes big, I try to figure out, okay, right. why is this big? Why is this doing something? Mm-hmm. And I was reminded of the only other thing like this has been popular is the, uh, to this level, it seems, with this generation, with these types of people, on a much smaller level, obviously. But did, did you remember the YouTube video, Actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Oh, yeah. Not to compare mm-hmm. them, but... <laughs> You're running through the woods. It's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I know. It's brandishing a knife. It's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it freaked me out when I first saw it, but I'm like, this is so random, but the production quality is so high. Everything, uh-huh. all the level is, is just really random subject matter. I almost wonder if kind of the same thing happened with Hamilton. Now we really care about it. It's become a thing again, and it's just just odd combination of all these different elements. Well, how so? Like, um, what is it that... Uh, draws you to the Shia LaBeouf video that is like the Hamilton phenomenon? Well, I didn't care about Shia LaBeouf or Hamilton before listening to him, I think, is is the comparison that I'm making. And now you care. (laughs) Now I care, and now everyone cares, it seems like. Shia LaBeouf is always in the news, and now people care about Alexander Hamilton enough to keep him on the $10 bill when they were looking for someone to boot, you know, to make way for Harriet Tubman. So... And it's just odd seeing, you know, seeing that, like that one friend of mine who's like suddenly obsessed with Alexander Hamilton, this part of history who otherwise would not have been at all. Right. So. Yeah, I um, I was thinking about like to go back to the earlier question of why is it so popular? Why do people love it so much? Mm-hmm. And um, why is it such a phenomenon? And uh, I think the fact that it's true certainly helps. Um, but uh there's two things uh which i'll mention on what you were talking about of it becoming so popular people care now um i remember being about seven or eight years old and i went through a phase where i was really really obsessed with the american revolution Mm -hmm. and that was due mostly in part to me watching liberty's kids i don't know if you know that yes i watched liberty's kids (laughs) yeah yeah same thing i was obsessed with the revolution when i was younger i mean that yeah it's just Mm-hmm. It's so great, and um, I don't think Liberty's Kids was totally historically accurate. Like they gave you the premise of certain events. I certainly know more about the American Revolution from that show, but um, I always remember being inspired by that story, and I wanted to be like the Patriots so much so that I wanted my grandmother to make me a Patriot uniform for Halloween. And I had a friend who was uh, visiting from England and I made her pretend to be a red coat and I was a Patriot and we stood barefoot in the snow because we were reenacting the winter at Valley Forge. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, like that level of dedication I think is caused by people connecting to a story. So whether you're seven years old and doing ridiculous stuff like that or whether, you know, you're an adult, um, it's it's really similar, I think, with the Hamilton phenomenon. And um, but something I noticed comparing Hamilton to In the Heights, which is um, Lynn's earlier musical, it won the 2008 um, Best Musical, the Tony Awards. Both of those are about specific stories and specific people that you might not relate to 
um, if you didn't grow up in that particular either area or time period, but there's always something really personal and human in each of those stories. Um, so I think that's really what keeps people coming back, in addition to the music being very, very catchy and well-developed and beautiful. It, it's that people can really, really relate to some of the things that the people go to, through and it transcends the time period or, or the boundaries that you would typically have when you're thinking about relating to a show. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that. Now this is a writing show, so I want to talk about some of the story techniques used in here because I've only I haven't listened to it as much as you have. The only things I've really picked up are on are like the uh, the Spielbergian introduction of Aaron Burr very early on in the story. For anyone who knows Hamilton, they know that his death is going to come at the hand of Aaron Burr. Mm -hmm. So introducing him right at the beginning is very mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg in terms of like his his. Uh, I watched Jurassic Park last night. And how he okay. how he introduces the raptors through the story le leading yeah. up to them it's very much so a, and uh, James Cameron does the same thing in Titanic there's all these scenes leading mm -hmm. up to about how cold the water is and don't jump off mm -hmm. and that type of stuff I feel like uh, that technique was used here it's a brilliant mm -hmm. technique especially with something where we already know how it's going to end um, so I yeah. dug that well you know related to that. One thing that I, I forget whether I sent you this in a uh, video or interview or whatever, I read something where it's sort of like instead of seeing Aaron Burr as a figure who's alive at the same time as Alexander Hamilton, when you first are introduced to him, it's like an old man Aaron Burr looking back on his life and his mistakes, which I did, definitely didn't catch the first few times, but then hmm. when it was pointed out, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, because like you know historically he lived with the stigma of it for the rest of his life and you know they mentioned that in the show um, he survived but I'm the one that paid for it and uh, so th that I think is particularly relevant as you mentioned like right up front just you know what's coming mm -hmm. and uh, and you know you know there's gonna be something huge coming um, so story techniques uh, I think that there's the I really like uh, how the instead of an overture most musicals or older musicals in particular had uh, an overture right at the beginning that would take all of the main themes and put it into one uh, big suite I like how the opening song is actually an overture in narrative form it's telling you the themes, it tells you the premise, and it's like um, you know the opening chapter of a, reading a really good book where it suddenly just plunges you right into the setting and uh, who's doing what, and the it question is posed right at the beginning. How does he go from here to there? How does this happen? So, um, so I really like that. Yeah. That's another really cool thing they do there. They, they take they take a lot of the rules and they turn them up on their heads and I think that's another thing that really that really works for it. And again, I'm inspired by just the combination of elements because th that can do so much to liven up a story that's been told before. And and I, I yeah, I just I'm impressed by the level yeah. of the yeah. level of mashing of things that they've done. Um, mm -hmm. I heard I'm not sure if Jake was talking to you when he said that. Jake Bowler he mentioned that mm -hmm. it's one of the best examples of a character's fall from grace that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that in regards to that, you know, uh, they mention you want to see somebody ruin their own life. 
uh, in one of the in the lyrics in um, I believe it's the Reynolds pamphlet and that is a really unique way of talking about what happened both historically but also we're so used to now in, in popular culture seeing adultery romanticized on television mm -hmm. or in books or whatever it's like the thing that makes your show scandalous is that it has adultery in it and it really shows the effects of adultery in a negative way and how it has consequences on your family and it never feels like it's there to be gratuitous or um, or like it's there to just sell like in uh, if it was a book to sell copies of the book you know yeah, no it's it's there as something that happened presented in an honest way and it shows you that there are real consequences for your actions and I think that's actually kind of unique in something very popular in culture and necessary because you know sometimes it's good to have a reality check mm -hmm. on the effects of our our actions absolutely and i feel like that that emotional note was like the power punch of of the film uh, of the play at least for me anyway though that couple mm -hmm. of songs eliza's song mm -hmm. uh what, what was that song called uh, burn yes burn yeah that song yeah. was hardcore and then the uh the, the song about them doing the impossible afterward. I mean, it's just yeah. the emotion, the emotions displayed in that didn't see that coming. I didn't know that mm. part of the story. So I thought that was really fascinating and yeah, a really adult kind of take on, mm -hmm. on that subject that I appreciated a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, it's quiet uptown. I've listened to it a lot of times and, uh, I think that is probably one of the biggest themes in the musical is forgiveness and redemption and it's actually truly wonderful to see that represented as much as you understand the consequences of his actions you also get to see a redemption arc mm -hmm. uh, it which of course because of the order it's told in and because the way the songs are composed it takes you on that emotional journey of ups and downs and everything. It very much does fit a really solid story structure there, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but just as a as a true-to-life thing, I think if it was just the terrible, tragic story of how Alexander ruined his life and died, <laughs> then, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be as great. But I think that's also how the public viewed him in times past without really knowing the full story is um, that guy that cheated on his wife and died in a duel you know yeah and, so and you know that's and that's the thing like we can understand a little bit more about uh the humanity we can all see ourselves represented in these characters who make mistakes and uh, and are also able to reconcile with others and so that's yeah. great the story of this guy with ambition and, and that i think that really appeals to young people and maybe that's that's why it's done so well, in part. Another reason it's done so well, rather, amongst people of our generation. Right. And um, it begins when he's very young, just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're a young person, it's very easy to just sing along with that and and uh, and take up that as your own call, you know? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's, that song just gets stuck in your head, and it doesn't leave. Oh yeah, the my yeah. shot song. It's like, oh my gosh, it's not going away mm -hmm. at any point. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, you know, the other thing that I really like just about the storytelling is the denouement of uh, the last song, Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story. Um, because, well, also throughout the musical, the, the melodic themes get reused when they're telling a certain character's story or a certain theme, mm -hmm. which is really great. It's, but it, when you get to the end, yeah. you've heard it throughout the whole thing is who lives, who dies, who tells your story. History has its eyes on you. And um, but I think that it just hits you right there, you know, when you're listening to it, um, because it's it's a beautifully done denouement where you're it's it's tying everything up. But it's really, really thought provoking instead of just and here's how they lived happily yeah. or sadly ever after, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to bring in there, and I'm I'm shocked continually throughout the play with the with the rap hip hop style that they have those themes that they can bring back in just as powerfully as is done a lot in other plays. I feel like that's something that's done a lot, and in like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, uh, Howard Shore does that a lot. But the fact that they were able to u utilize that in this play too was it's just right. so powerful. I love it. The other thing is. Um this is just a, a minor thing, just an example. Um, if you go directly from, um, let me just check that I have the right title of the song. Um, if you go from Stay Alive, Reprise, which is Philip's death scene, to It's Quiet Uptown, they talk about, he's, he's, he talks about how he played piano with his mother, and then It's Quiet Uptown is a primarily piano-driven song. Oh, gosh. If you ever want to cry, you know, <laughs> you can just think about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I actually, I went to Hamilton Grange, which is Alexander Hamilton's house um, uptown. And it's the only house there that I think he's known to have actually owned. They built it after Philip's death and um, they have the original piano there. And that's really emotional, like being there and seeing it. Um, it's, I don't know. I can't remember. I haven't gotten to this part in the biography. I'm not sure if Philip actually plays it or whether it was their daughter, Angelica, because I know she, they had a daughter named Angelica, and I, I know she played it um, based on what I read about the piano um, there. But, but yeah, either way, it's really, really cool. Real-life intertextuality, bringing emotion to these things. If you had gone and seen the Alexander Hamilton house before this play, you wouldn't have thought a thing of it. Even if right. you even if you'd read up on it, maybe, but this that's fa that's fascinating. That's really yeah. cool. Okay, we're going to need to wrap up. So, final thoughts. Okay. Uh, final thoughts. What are my final thoughts on Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's a good little it's a good little fandom to tie us over until Doctor Who season ten, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I'm I'm really yeah. Okay, I'll talk about this thing that I really see exemplified in the cast is that it's uh, they make a very strong case for arts advocacy in uh, whether that's live theater or um, particularly with their education initiative they are bringing in um, I think it's a 10, 000, over 10,000 public school students to see the show um, wow. and they there's a curriculum that was developed around it and is used in uh, public schools which I believe are for in areas that have uh, lower socioeconomic um, standing where they wouldn't be able to usually go see the show and they the kids work on they go through the curriculum they work on pieces which they develop and then they perform for the cast when they go see the show and then the kids have a chance to see it and um, it's it's really cool to see how Hamilton has 
revitalized um, live theater. Broadway was never dead or extinct or anything, but it's, it's brought it back into uh, a very public light. Um, it's getting talked about more, and, and I really like that throughout the entire thing you can just see the impact is that it's inspiring uh, people of all ages to do whatever they're most passionate about so especially with regards to the arts I think it's great that it's really I think promoting music education and, and dance and uh, and performing arts and and all of the things that help us uh, you know experience joy and we, we process everything that happens in the world around us often through art and so I think it's fantastic that it's gained such popularity because it helps us to relate to the world around us and think about what our legacy is so I'm just really happy for everything that it's done because I think it's truly a wonderful piece of art. I, I would agree that is that's really cool I didn't know they were doing that with public school kids that is, that is so that is so cool. Well, hey, thanks for coming in and talking to me about this. I needed, yeah, I needed to talk with like a real legit fan about this show. <laughs> Thank I, you for I, inviting me. I feel pumped to go back. I'm going to be thinking about all this stuff when I listen to it again later. It's just all going to all come back to me. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. You can't be serious. You're listening to The Very Serious Writing Show. And thus perishes Peter Pan. I just got sick of saying the thing I always say at the end of these episodes. Hey, quick public service announcement. If you are a youngin, Hamilton may not be for you. There's some really adult themes in Hamilton, and there is language. Some intense language at parts. It's not, like, prevalent through the whole thing, but there is some language. So if you're sensitive to that, Hamilton is probably not for you. Otherwise, you can find just about all the songs, all the tracks on the YouTubes and on Spotify. I think we already mentioned that, so y'all know where to go from here. If you like this show, this podcast thing that I do, and you like want to express your liking of it, you can do so on places like Facebook and Twitter. I'm there, and Goodreads. Goodreads is a great place to talk about things other than books. And I'm on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can have the both ways. If you don't like SoundCloud, you can use iTunes. If you're if you're an, a Mac hater, you can you can use the SoundClouds. I'm not I'm not a big fan of Apple either. So like I'm there with you. Not like Microsoft has been doing great things, but yeah, no, I feel you. It's chill. You do you. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I am going to go lick a toad, and I will catch you all again later after these messages. There are no messages. Anyway, yes. Bye!